Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. With your host, Dapper Data. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? You are listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. I am your host, Dapper Data. I am bringing on this special guest. We're going to talk about something that we probably never talked about, right? We talked about AI. Uh, we talked a little bit about machine learning, right? We talked a little bit about, we we get deep, you know, but we also keep it keep it um, at a high level for the novice as well. But I brought on a special guest, right, to talk a little bit about artificial intelligence and robotics and also talk about something, you know, when you think about, some say humans should never relinquish moral agency to the machines, right? You know, so we want to talk about ethical AI. We want to talk about all that good stuff, you know. And I brought on Andrew Gilsmith, right? Say hello, Andrew. Hey, everybody. How are you? So Andrew, right, is a science fiction writer whose education is religious in religious studies and passion for the cyberpunk genre has helped inform and mold his style of storytelling. All right. Now, Andrew has a, a, a crazy story to tell, and I actually want him to tell it right in relation to somebody, probably one of the top retailers or however you want to want to, you know, uh, uh, I guess pigeonhole him to, you know, but but he has an interesting story to tell you, you know, and, and also about how he got to where he is today. Right. So since then, since that story, I'm not even going to tell the story. I need Andrew to tell it. Right. You know, since that story, he's worked in a number of interesting roles when it comes down to um, uh, customer experience, right? Uh, for Kentucky Derby, uh, he's been the leader of of a proposed and 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 project that is in the United States and and everything like that. And and this this guy Andrew is is probably one of the most versatile people that you probably will ever meet to get to the point where he is today. You know, I promise you, he currently works in publisher development in the programmatic advertising space, but this is a great guy, right? He's done so many interesting things, you know, uh, being able to have experience with the Kentucky Derby. For those of you, I know some of my audience out there has has mentioned uh, doing some data on the Kentucky Derby, so definitely highlight that. Uh, and he's also done some 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 great things in the healthcare company as well. And so, Andrew, thank you for coming on the podcast. You know, I, I'm super excited. I need you to tell the story. <laughs> about how you got to where you are today. And I need yeah. you to tell the story about, you know, um, this, this one interesting thing that probably is going to capture a lot of people's attention, you know, yeah. and you know what it is, but, but I, I'll sure. let you tell yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell the story. Uh, so, you know, when I was graduating from college, um, mm -hmm. I was, I think like a lot of people graduating from college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I had an inkling back then this is 1994, that I wanted to be a writer. Okay, so I applied for some writing jobs. And I, you know, lo and behold, and I got a couple offers uh, mm -hmm. to, to be a writer in New York. Yeah. But the problem was, you know, like, writers don't make a lot of money. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and certainly starting out writers don't make a lot of money. And, yeah. I mean, and this New York costs like, a lot. Like, <laughs> man, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to live. Like, I don't know how I can make this work in New York. So Anyway, I got this offer, another offer to work for a hedge fund mm -hmm. um, and basically go through their training program. And it was a lot more money. So I was like, okay, that's cool. I'll write on the side, you know, right. uh, <laughs> I'll get back to that someday. Um, mm -hmm. So I took the job and it was a really interesting place. This is, like I said, 1994. So it was really early on in this quantitative trading revolution. And this company was very far ahead of the game. And they had like literally people who'd won the International Math Olympiad. They had top five graduates from the Indian Institute of Technology, number one grads from MIT and Stanford and Harvard in physics and AI. I mean, it was rocket scientists, literally. And then there was guys like me. I'm not, I'm none of those things. You know, I was a religion. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But, you know, they, they kind of put these people together and, you know, some of us would go and become traders or, you know, work in sales and marketing or business development or what have you. And that was the track I was on. Well, they started all of those people, people like me, in the mailroom, which is mm -hmm. a great place to start because that's how you meet everybody. You oh. know, and you, you, know, you kind of <laughs> circulate around and you get to know people, mm -hmm. right? 
So mm-hmm. one of the guys that I would deliver mail to was this kind of quirky senior vice president of the bank. Nobody knew what he did, but it wasn't banking. It wasn't anything with the bank. So, but he had these books mm-hmm. piled up to the ceiling in his office. And I finally asked him one day, like, what are you, like, what do you even do here? You know? And he <laughs> said, oh, well, I'm trying to figure out how to sell these books on the internet. Now, mm-hmm. this was 1994, 95. And I was like, that's a terrible idea. You know, <laughs> people weren't putting their credit card online. I mean, it, it, like the only thing you could do is email and go to a few sites. So I was like, how do you even do that? Well, he was buying lists of email addresses, sending them out through listserv, getting mm-hmm. responses back by email or 800 number. And then he literally would like run the, the credit card through one of those old mechanical credit card machines. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, well, this is, I mean, I, this is terrible. I, this is never going to, this is never going to fly. That was Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. That was, that was the, the very, very beginning of Amazon. And like, I think Man. within three or four months, he had already left the bank and gone out to Seattle and like, you know, hired a few of my friends, probably people who didn't tell him the stupid idea. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and, and was off and running with Amazon. That's kind of, yeah, that was like the beginning of my career. I I began with a, a very, very big misjudgment. Yeah. 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 So the, the, you sit back and you say, man, I kind of regret that sometimes. Or you sit back and say, Hey, look, you know, I mean, it's all experience, right. And exposure, right. You know, and, 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 you know, there's never a regret, you know, how how do you feel? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. The the latter, right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah, man. So, so I, I know that you've done some really, really great things, right? You know, in the, in this industry already. And one of the things you want to highlight is that book that you wrote called Our Lady of Architect, Archilex, right? Archilex. So that is an amazing book, right? You know, and, and, and I think that you have done something that uh, a lot of people have not done, right? Kind of intertwining uh, with your experience, you know, and the future thinking about AI. And if, if, if the audience doesn't know, you know, when we think about AI and robotics, right, the digital technologies that will have the significant impact on the uh, development of humanity in the near future. You know, a lot of people yeah. believe that that is going to change the world if it hasn't already. And uh, they have uh, raised fundamental questions, right, about what we should do with these systems, you know, and, and, and what the systems themselves should do, you know, what risks they involve, right, and, and how we can control these things. And I think you have some great insight into something like that. itself. thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when you think about it, right, you know, one of the questions I have initially is what happens when AI has more decision making and more capability? You know, what, what are your thoughts on that? So here, this is what I would say about that. Um, we're, we're not, I don't think we're on the, the cusp of that. I don't think that it's one of these technologies that's right around the corner, but, and there are major, major disputes, as you probably know, within the whole field of, of AI as to whether or not this is even possible. Right. I mean, there's the whole, I mean, one of the things that, you know, that we, we confront with AI is this whole idea of like the Chinese room problem, right. Mm-hmm. Is how do you even know that real thought, real intellection is going on in a machine and it's not literally just processing signals and then pushing signals back out based on some kind of a translator. Right. 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 That's a, that's a fill but that's a philosophical question, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. I mean, philosophical questions are cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think, it, you know, especially in science fiction, you know, it's, you, it's kind of an inherently philosophical or theological field, right? It so is. You have to get into right. That um, you have to. So, so, so my book, you know, looks at what would happen if this did become a reality. And there, mm-hmm. there's some great um, AI scientists who believe that it is going to be a reality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, 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 I guess the cornerstone of it is, you know, when AI is capable of making independent or autonomous moral decisions, when it has mm-hmm. a sense of ethics and it can know right from wrong um, and, and, and choose behaviors and actions based on that sense of right and wrong, what is that going to mean, you know, for, for our sense of ourselves and for how we relate to AI, right? right. That is a, I mean, that is a, you know, uh, has historically traditionally been a, a human exclusive, uh, you know, design feature. 
Yeah, and 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 so you know, being moral, right? You know, understanding what that truly means in our eyes, right? Now, from a human aspect, right? We can really understand that, but but then when the machine starts to make these decisions, do you believe that it is it is the data that's that's fueling it that that allows them to make that decision? And then it all ties back to this human aspect, right? You know, if you're if you're if you're a machine you know, what are you basing off of? I mean, it has to be the data, right? You know, that's it. So is it the, you know, that moral decision that's being made? Do you believe it all boils back to that human aspect of things? What's your thoughts on that? So I think it, yes, I think it does, right? I mm -hmm. mean, it's, um, you know, when, when you talk about AI in, in science fiction, at least, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're generally talking about something that is made in, in the human image mm -hmm. um, and, you know, in, in, and therefore carries a lot of, um, you know, human nature with it. Right. Right. So, so, you know, my, my theory on this is that, you know, like any, any AI system is only as good as the inputs and the training. Sorry. I've got, I've got leaves falling around me here. It's oh, that's fine. It's, man. it's a beautiful scenery. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the training, in moral terms, would would be probably in the form of simulations, right? Mm -hmm. So you could have you could have an AI um, that is put through thousands, tens of thousands, millions, billions potentially of ethical situations, ethical puzzles, mm -hmm. and it tr it's trained, right, based on the decisions that it makes within this simulation, and it's trained specifically in a way that allows it to function within human society. In other words, it's going to learn human ethics, human morality, how humans make Oh yeah. Humans. So if the human is, is, is not ethical, right? <laughs> you know, then it's learning based off of that, right? You know, if, if they're not moral, then it's learning based off of that, you know? And so it, it almost gets into, you know, it makes me, so some of the scariest things I think about when it relates to AI, is uh and i don't know if you can attest to this you know even in the sci-fi world thinking about the future right you know you think about the military oh my gosh you know yeah. what could ai possibly do from an ethical and non-ethical standpoint because they're being fed something right <laughs> well it's happening i mean that that's you know what i mean and and and, and yeah mm -hmm. I, I i think it is really scary the idea um of of taking um, human accountability out of the equation when it comes to life and death decisions on a mass scale to mm -hmm. me is horrifying. Um, right. You know, one of the things and and, you know, we didn't get into this too much in our pre-conversation, but um, you know, one of the, 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 the topics that the book really gets into is genocide mm, and yeah. specifically the, the gen genocide that is happening right now, against mm -hmm. the Uyghur minority population in, in Western China, the Uyghur Muslims. And mm -hmm. this is a pretty horrifying thing that's happening right now under the world's nose. It's the first high-tech genocide, right? Mm -hmm. It is a total surveillance state where AI systems are now being, have been trained to identify specific ethnic features, moods, <laughs> um, that Man. they correlate to a predisposition to certain behaviors that, will land you in a concentration camp, right? Man. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's pretty terrifying stuff. There's a, a, a book that I, I, I strongly recommend to anybody on this. It's by um, Darren Byler, and mm. it's called In the Camps. And it's uh, camps. an investigation of, you know, the world's first high-tech genocide. Um, so, I mean, you know, these things are already in the field, right? right. And we have, we have drones. Well, okay, so today the drones are, you know, um, in theory, at least, controlled by human operators. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the military is constantly looking at ways to take that out of the equation. So what happens when you have a machine right. making a decision about whether to drop a bomb that's going to mm. have collateral damage, that's going to kill innocent civilians? Right, it's, right. And who's, and who's responsible, right, for that, right? You know, we talk about that responsible AI. Now you're like, all right, there is this bomb that has been dropped has taken out people and it it made a mistake right such a major mistake like that 
right. you know, and 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 the accountability has to be there. Uh, I don't think we're working that hard on the accountability piece, right? We're just trying so hard to figure out this future of things, and 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 we forget that at one point there's going to be some traceability there where where they're going to start to say, you know, I mean, something as simple as you know, insurance companies, you know, being able to say, look, I got into this accident because of this autonomous vehicle. Whose fault was it? Was it the autonomous vehicle fault? Did the human do something or is it the person that is the developer or data scientist that was a part of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or is it the, 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 the data they were fed, right? You know, I don't know, right? How do you trace that back and say who made that real decision at the end of the day? You know? I mean, I think, I think it's a, <laughs> It's it's a potentially unsolvable problem, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, ah. and I mean, look, you don't have to get too deep into, um, you know, the history of of philosophy and 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 ethics to understand mm-hmm. that we there's no consensus around this stuff even among human beings, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, there's there are various schools of of thought about what constitutes ethical behavior. Is it is it uh, you know is it functionalism? Is it, yeah. is it all dependent on the outcome? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a whole school of thought that would say that yes it is it, it's you know it's whatever causes the least harm is yeah. the most justifiable action mm-hmm. you can take but then there's another school that says no lying is never acceptable mm-hmm. right even even a lie committed in the service of what you consider to be a greater good is dangerous right right and, and, and you know it's like i like i don't come at this with like as a as a partisan of any of these schools of thought i Mm-hmm. I'm interested in it. I don't know that there are any answers. Right. And you're bringing up a great point because, you know, for me, I, I didn't realize this, that we haven't even solved this problem in humanity, right? You know, we haven't even solved this problem here before we started allowing machines to be a part of this whole culture, you know, and evolution. And, and you know, we're still trying to figure out who's at fault and traceability for even, even the human aspect of things. And so now, you know, would you say we're jumping the gun? You know, are we moving too fast in AI? You know, the easy answer on that is yes, we're moving too fast. Right? <laughs> I mean, um, uh-huh. and 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 in a sense, I, I I I guess if you really you know back me into a corner, I would say yeah, I think we probably are moving uh-huh. too fast. Meaning, we're we've got too many things going on now, too much research, too much. Um, uh, commercialization, you know, of AI, mm-hmm. that, for example, is not regulated, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like this is this stuff's all happening out in the open for the public good, for the common good. It's yeah, typically yeah. happening in a black box inside a corporation somewhere with a very specific profit motive. Mm-hmm. Again, no, I got no problem with profit motives. Mm-hmm. Um, what I have a problem with is, you know, the idea of deploying these technologies that could fundamentally change society, right, in the way that we interact mm-hmm. with each other, um, without any kind of regulation or any kind of dis- even a discussion about the, the, the common good. Um, yeah. So, so, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a skeptic. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, I'm, I'm enough of a realist to say it doesn't matter if I'm a skeptic or not, it's happening. Yeah. So yeah. we gotta, we gotta wake up and we've got to start having these conversations about, you know, where, where we draw the lines. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, we definitely need to start having those conversations. Uh, and, and, you know, conversations like these, you know, talking about the ethics of AI is important. You know, forming groups where we are collaborating and we're trying to figure out that problem that, you know, because you know, we, we have all these huge problems that we're trying to solve with AI. But there's some other small problems that we need to solve there, you know, within AI that people are not drawing enough attention to. And I'm glad we're starting to, to do that, you know. And in my opinion, when I think about AI, I'm thinking, okay, is it going to take over the world or not? I don't, I don't know, you know. And you know, movies like iRobot, right, are, are science fiction with an emphasis on the word fiction. You know, when we think about that, right? And all that said, you know, AI is 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 a powerful business tool that is supporting companies out there. And so we think in money. Right. You know, because they have to strive. Right. So they have to be ahead of the game innovation. So they're, they're not going to stop and say, well, let me is this ethical or not? Am I that? They're like, look, am I making money or not? Right? Yeah, it's That's catch, <laughs> catch me if you can. Right. Like, like <laughs> we're going to do this. And if you got a problem with it, figure it out and, and let us know. Right. We're in the market, make money, you know, on right. it in, in the meantime. Now, and 
and again, I mean, you know, again, is 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 that is that an ideal situation? No, I don't mm -hmm. I don't know that there's a better way to do it either in, in practice. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, I mean, you know, I mean, like I said, I just think it's really important that we that we be having these conversations. I mean, yeah. to me, you know, and, and, and a lot of this stuff gets confused in the popular um, kind of culture discussion around it. Mm -hmm. and I mean, I'm guilty of it, too. Right. I mean, you're, mm -hmm. a, PhD, you're a Ph.D. candidate in, in, in data science. I got halfway through a master's in data science. Was like, screw this. I'm, <laughs> I have too much, too many statistics. It's too much. Uh, but like, uh, you know, um, you have two kind of separate but related movements that are happening. One mm -hmm. of them gets a lot of conversation. That's AI, right? right? And again, in the public imagination, that's like robots, machines, you know, uh, Skynet, you know, Terminator mm -hmm. kind of scenarios taking over <laughs> the world. The other piece of it that I think gets not enough discussion is transhumanism, mm. right? And so this is the idea of using technology not to create something outside of ourselves, but to actually mm. transform human nature itself. Mm. I will tell you that just uh, again, on a personal level, I mean, that is much more concerning to me, right? Mm. Building tools to do things for us right. is part of what has always made human be humans humans right augmentation right, right. you know we're augment yeah, yeah. but and and, and in, in a sense that's kind of what we're doing with ai mm -hmm. with transhumanism i think the risk is that we turn ourselves into tools and that mm -hmm. is far far worse far more dangerous so you know like and again i i i, I like a lot of what elon musk does i mean i want to go to mars you know i mean that yeah yeah awesome. yeah i'm there <laughs> But, you know, another one of his big projects right now is working on uh, brain computer interfaces. Mm -hmm. And these are, you know, you know, it's using nanotechnology to mm -hmm. establish a direct interface between um, neurons. Sorry, that's my dog. Uh, oh, no. Between, between <laughs> neurons and, um, and, and, you know, and machines. Mm -hmm. Okay. You can, there's a lot of good that can come from this. There's cognitive enhancement. There's cures for mental illness, right? Um, mm -hmm. Sensory enhancement, you know, that, that, that could give you, you know, virtually superhuman powers, right? Access mm -hmm. to knowledge instantaneously. These things all sound pretty good in theory, but the other thing that it does, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's a, the door opens both ways, mm -hmm. right? You have AI that is rapidly evolving on the one hand, and you also have humans that are now almost merging into machines. I think that opens the door for, um, you know, for, for some really pretty awful consequences. Absolutely. Me. Absolutely. You know, um, it's almost as if, as if they, they're, they're, they're trying to remove or, you know, make, make the human, uh, extinct, you know, when you're coming down to, right. You know, when you're thinking about the future, you know, thinking about, you know, our, I mean, there always has to be somebody or something behind the machine, you know, but can you imagine over time, you know, the the trying to replace us, you know, as humans, and 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 the even pro, you know, creation, right? You know, trying to like that stuff will start to dwindle, you know, over time, right? You know, you're starting to put humans in these aspects, right? Where if you really even think about it, I mean, you know, where do we go? We we meet people. I might go to a coffee shop, you know, and I meet somebody. That is a, a nice, a nice woman, right? That I'm interested in, and I say, man, she's, you know, she, she looks great, things like that. You know, she has a great conversation. I really would love to take her on a date. You know, now there's a robot or machine there, so now you're like removing that possible, you know, <laughs> scenario, right? Yeah. You know, and over time, that 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 continues to go. <laughs> no, no, no doubt about it, right? I mean, and 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 it does. I mean, it it, it opens up the door to, you know. A, a true mechanization and control, hierarchical control over society and over human mm -hmm. behavior. And that's a kind of tyranny that I think we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, I mean, I, I, yes, I, I worry about these things. I, I don't so much worry about, you know, like I said, these Terminator scenarios and Skynet and, you know, mm -hmm. robot overlords, uh, you know, uh, uh, enslaving us. But, but I, I, I worry that, we are going to open ourselves to to more direct and more insidious forms of 
manipulation mm-hmm. uh, using AI. Um, yeah. That and you know that behind all of that, I you know I suspect it would always be other people pulling the strings. You know, mm-hmm. um, and but that 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 that's that's not better. That's maybe worse. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, maybe it is. You know, so so do you believe that AI is the key to the next evolution of mankind? You know, and that's that's a tough question yeah. to put out there because there's so many thoughts, right? There's so many thoughts. I mean, you think about analytical AI, right? You know, that only has the characteristics and uh, consistent with like cognitive intelligence, right? You're thinking about that. Then you think about human inspired AI. Right. You know, that has the, uh, the the cognitive and emotional intelligence portion, you know, and an understanding of human emotions. Right. So that's a big portion. Then you have humanized AI that's out there where you're looking at all types of competencies, you know, uh, cognitive, emotional, social intelligence, all that good stuff. What's your thoughts on the evolution of mankind and AI? You know, so a few things, I guess, you know, a few caveats before I even answer that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a personally, I'm a person of faith. Uh, I'm a Roman mm-hmm. Catholic. Okay. Um, and that's important to me and it's important to how I view the world. And mm-hmm. um, I never make yeah. any secret of that. So, but I also believe in evolution, right. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, my church says is fine. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I don't think that, I, I, you know, when we talk about the the future evolution of mankind, I I feel like that's kind of like a that's not the we're we're not using the term correctly, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've we've gone through an evolutionary phase that's already happened. We're not in an evolutionary period in the development of the species at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, can can technology be used to modify, enhance human beings, eradicate diseases? you know, correct, as I said, like cognitive or mental issues in individual humans. Yeah, for, for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. And could we at some point end up with what looks like speciation, right? Where Mm -hmm. you've got, you know, for lack of a better term, part of the human population that is like a cyborg Mm -hmm. and has all these implants and these capabilities and Mm -hmm. another part of the population that is just, you know, standard issue human homo sapiens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think that is possible, and 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 it looks to me like that's the direction we're heading in. I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's going to lead to um, major, major conflict, right? I mean, um, I mean, let's just start with the economics of it, right? I mean, these these technologies are not cheap. Um, yeah, they're going to be available to the wealthy. They're yeah. going to be available within wealthy societies. They're not going to be accessible to the whole planet. All right. I didn't think about that. Development. What does that mean for equity? What does that mean for uh, societal evolution? To to Mm -hmm. misuse the term again, right? Like, um, are we are we doing something to truly advance the species, or are we just, you know, further dividing and um, uh, and 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 adding, you know, more inequity and injustice? Yeah. Yeah. Now that's amazing because, you know, I start thinking about how. You know, if you if you are given it's giving power to the wealthy, like you said, right? You know, it's giving power for that decision making to happen there. You know, never giving really power to the. I mean, inequity is a big deal, right? You know, when it comes down to it, and never and the decision making starts to be, you know, swayed more on a side where it doesn't make anything equal really across society. You know, when you think about it, you know, and uh, and that even goes into like careers, I think about careers and the future of AI, you know, and I mean, my thought process at one point was, man, the machine is going to be driven by this, the the wealthy individual, you know, I, that, that was just my thought process because like you mentioned, you know, those are the ones who are going to be able to afford this, 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 uh, this tool that is so expensive and makes this grand decision across the world and so somebody that is a robot or i mean we have a robot you have this machine there that is very expensive and they're making decisions for this robot or they're they're the ones who controlling it with the tools and things like that you know um i always thought man the machines probably will end up taking over but now my thought process is more uh to well I, i would say that i'm thinking now that we as human beings need to start 
changing the way that we are uh, thinking when it comes down to uh, going to school for something that is not related to um, AI, right, or not related to technology. You know, putting ourselves in a position now, you know, when my son is growing up, my kids are growing up, my daughter, you know, I want them to be able to get get positions now that are going to be behind that machine because the machine is going to be there. You can't fight it, right? You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. going to be there. And so that tool is going to be there. So mm -hmm. understanding how to be that developer now, not necessarily use the tool sometimes or even use the tool maybe, but, more, but not, you're not the person in front of a retail store, right? Talking, you know, to the person that now you're the person coding that machine that is sitting there selling this product to you or in front of the register at McDonald's, right? You know, or something like that. Right. You know, do you, what's your thoughts on that? You know, I, I go back again to the danger of the, the, the danger of manipulation of our thoughts. Mm. And I mean, that, 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 and again, I mean, the, a lot of the book is, is about that. Mm -hmm. Let's say that we do, we, we, we have this future where we have, you know, brain, brain, uh, computer interfaces or implants, whatever you want to call them. Right. That, that are directly connected to our, our neurological system. Mm -hmm. How will you ever know in such a world, whether the thoughts that you're having are your thoughts? Hmm. And again, I mean, this is, you know, we get into deep into philosophy here and, and, you know, deeper, deeper waters than frankly, I'm, I should be in, but that's, that's the scariest thing to me, right? Is, you know, the, the idea that my thoughts might not be my own already. I mean, so much of what AI does and I, and I work in advertising, you know, mm -hmm. like working in digital media I have for, you know, most of my career. And, um, you know, we use all kinds of data uh, to, to manipulate and encourage behavior designed to get people to buy things. Mm -hmm. right? um, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty effective. Yeah. It's not perfect, right? Because there's still, there's still a human on the other end that gets to decide whether they want to click or not. Right, right, right. So it's not my fault. You right. clicked it. <laughs> but, but what happens? What ha I mean, what happens, like I said, in that world where you have AI on the one hand that mm -hmm. knows what behaviors are needed, what mm -hmm. thought patterns are needed in order to lead to an outcome. And then you also have humans that are directly connected to the AI. Right. So that their mm -hmm. their autonomy is kind of blurred or lost. That that to me, like that, that's the scary part of all of this to me, right? Yeah. Is, you know, we we um, we're not a perfect species, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's no doubt about that. But can we per can we perfect ourselves? I mean, can an imperfect species perfect itself? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In, in, There's in, going to be imperfect, uh, I guess, data produced or not data produced, but more so that the algorithm could be imperfect, too. Right. You know, I mean, if a, if a person that's imperfect sitting behind the machine is the one controlling it, then there's going to be imperfect uh, decisions or uh, a development of the product itself. You know, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, like, that makes sense. You know what I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, like the, the, the look candidly, right. The dream for marketers, digital marketers and advertisers is, you know, I show you the ad and you have to click on it. Mm -hmm. And then once you see it, you have to buy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and that, that powers the economy, right. I mean, we're a consumer driven mm -hmm. economy. So consumer spending is the name of the game. So there are all kinds of very, very powerful incentives Mm -hmm. to get people to do things that may or may not be in their individual best interest or that they may not even really fully understand or want to do. Yeah. So it's a pretty short leap, I think, to go from, okay, I, I now have direct access to your decision-making apparatus, your brain, mm -hmm. you know, and I have the AI that tells me what exactly I need to show you, what images, what thoughts, what emotions I need to stimulate in you to get you to do the thing that I want you to do mm -hmm. to are you really human anymore? Do you really have autonomy? 
Yeah, and, and something you said that was interesting, you know, danger of manipulation of our thoughts, you know, and and I completely agree, you know, and I've read, I'm, I'm sure based off of that, that makes me uh, believe that you read the book or you've heard of the book Nudge Theory. You I've know, heard of it, I haven't read it, but okay, I, I have Nudge heard Nudge Theory, yeah. man, amazing, amazing book. And it, it goes back to, right, sales, you know, it goes back to, it, it ties into a uh, machine, artificial intelligence, it, it ties into all that. And it's, it's amazing because, you know, we put certain things in place to kind of nudge you to do an action, right? You know, small plates, right? And you're in, in it's a small food plates, right? You know, to, to insist you or help you to, uh, I guess, eat smaller portions of things, right? Putting like one trash can in the office, uh, it makes you get up, right? <laughs> and go walk to go do that. You know, I remember uh, so I own a restaurant in Ghana, right? So I go out to Africa a few times a year, and 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 we started looking at nudges, right? <laughs> Little nudges here and there. And in the bar, you see the 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 drinks are put at eye level. The most expensive ones are put at eye level of the average height of an individual, so that you could oh, see it, right? You know, that. and it kind of nudge you, yeah. And then you yeah. say, "Man, what's that?" You know, I like that, right? You know, or a mirror there, so you can see yourself. And you know it looks cool. It kind of enhances your courage and things like that, which is which says, man, look, I need more drinks, right? Or um, if you have hookahs or something like that in the corner, you want to put it in certain levels so that they can always see it. And they mm -hmm. say, man, what's that? You know, I think I want that. And so there's so many different nudges out there in this world that makes you do so many different things, and you don't even realize it, right? And imagine putting that in the machine and it's learning and learning over and over again, and it could be a danger in that that's like manipulation in itself, right? You know, you're, you're manipulating the mind and it, if it becomes automatic and then learning more and more on how to do this manipulation thing, it could, it could do real damage, you know, in itself. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, I mean, it's, it makes for a fascinating conversation today. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. whether we're going to get to a point where, you know, where we cross like a, a point of no return, I like, I don't know. <laughs> Um, uh -huh. I hope not, but like, you know, already today in neuroscience, they're starting, we're starting to get a better and better understanding of, um, the, I guess the neurochemical basis of decision-making mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. Right. And, and I remember there was this paper that came out a few years ago. I can't remember what, I can't, unfortunately I can't remember the author. If I can't give mm -hmm. a citation for it, but basically it, it, it basically said neuroscience has proven that free will does not exist mm. the reason that they thought this the reason that they said this is because they were able to look at the molecular level mm -hmm. um, and see chemical activity happening in the brain that actually preceded a conscious decision made by the person right Man. so like, before you lift your arm before you, you you go left or right before you choose coke versus pepsi there's something right. in the brain that activates on a on an unconscious level, right? And it can be measured. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. Yeah, it makes sense. I think that disproves. Right. <laughs> free will. No, I don't think that disproves free will. But it, but, but again, I mean, it, it kind of goes to the same problem, right? Of like, mm -hmm. okay, so if that's if that's the way that we're built, and now you add you know, technology into the mix, technology literally sitting within the human brain, technology that mm -hmm. is communicating with AI that's that's, that's, that's out there, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think then you start to, you really do start to get into questions of whether, whether people could continue to have free will. Yeah, man. Oh, man. Like this, this is such an interesting conversation. You know, thank you, Andrew. I mean, you said so much light on the future of AI, right? And I think the important thing is that we need to all be thinking about what it means to bring in something like AI into this world as fast as we're doing it, right, too. Because to me, it's like, I see it's, I see the benefits. I see the benefits, I see the pros of it, but please slow down almost, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's kind of where I'm at, right? It's like, slow down, you know, think about all these different things, right? How do you, how do you put the cart before the horse, right? You, that's what you're doing. You know, when you're skipping so many different processes 
just because you're coming up with everything that is sexy and cool. Right? Everything is cool with AI, right? It's, it's really cool that you can do all these different things, but there's so much behind it. If we don't handle that stuff first and we don't think about it and we don't slow down, in my mind, we're going to cause more chaos than anything, right, in this world. And so, you know, the facts of the matter uh, are, are that the machines generally operate, you know, how they're programmed, you know, right now. And we are a long way, in my eyes, from developing this artificial and super intelligence uh, scenario needed, you know, for this takeover. But if we don't slow down, right, <laughs> it, will, it could possibly happen where we can't come back from it. You know, no doubt. Yeah. So what's your thoughts on that? You know, is there anything you want to leave the audience with as a nugget? No, I, um, you know, I, I guess I would just say that generally speaking, we homo sapiens are not very good at leaving each other alone. Mm-hmm. We're not very good at just letting people kind of, you know, be, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, and there are a million examples I could, I could give for this. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the obvious one, and I, and, I, and I hesitate to even talk about it because I like, you know, like it, it, it's also politically freighted and I'm not really into that. But like, mm-hmm. you know, just the choice as to whether to take a vaccine or not take a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's just take that. Right. It's always been understood that that was a personal choice. Yeah. Right. But then now now we've learned a lot more. We've, mm-hmm. we've learned about how, you know, viruses transmit. We've learned about long term consequences. We've learned about you know, the, the, the sort of spread vector of these things and how they can mm-hmm. affect populations on a mass scale, right? And we're all crowd, we're crowded into cities in, in ways that we, we weren't for most of our evolutionary history. So right. there is a social dimension now to that decision, right? So over the last couple of years, we've had this really ugly, fierce debate about it. And um, I think you could you could take that and kind of project it a little bit forward in the transhumanist uh, future. And and I think you, it's not that much of a stretch to imagine a world where people are saying, everybody needs to have these implants. Uh-huh. Right? We can't risk having you out there not knowing if you have a mental illness that might cause you to go off somewhere. Right, right. Oh, man, I didn't think about that. <laughs> we, we, can't risk, we can't risk not being able to predict your behavior. Ah. manage your behavior. So everybody has to take these implants. You may, may not like it. I'm sorry. Too bad. Being of living in a society. Now today that sounds kind of far-fetched. Like, I mean, we're not there. Right. But yeah, you can imagine being there. You can certainly yeah. imagine being there and you can imagine whole segments of society trying to wall themselves off from that. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you can imagine what the other members of society would think about those who fall themselves off from that, you know, um, these are the things that I, these are the things that I, I'm interested in, you know, Uh Um, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a PhD, uh, you know, data scientist like you are. I can't, I mean, I I make my way through, you're definitely a thought leader, but, um, but you know, I, I like to think about the social and, um, I guess moral and ethical, consequences of these things and and um i think i think we need to do more of that no i I like it you know and i i mean you have given me so many you have given so many um scenarios or possibilities you know and i know it's endless right you probably have it just churning in your brain all the time you know and that's what i call really an innovative leader and a thought leader and that's what you've been doing right you know because a lot of people you know they're handling these other problems but they're not thinking like you're thinking you know they're thinking, okay, I can solve this now. This is where technology is now. Let me just go ahead and do it. It's great, you know, it's cool, it's fun, you know, it's exciting. But then nobody's thinking about the what ifs 20 years from now, right? You know, if we keep this up, right, the 20 year from now scenario and what will happen, that is a, that's future research that that is not really being dug into, you know, honestly, right? You know, me doing my PhD, I don't see it, right? I didn't see people digging 20 years from now and saying, hey, this is the possibility of the problem. A lot of people are saying this is the great part of it, you know, the sure. anything, right? They're not really giving you the possibility 
of of making these decisions or putting in this AI, you know, model, right, or, or whatever it is, you know, they're not thinking about that. You know? I I do think that. Look, I, I, I'm you know I am a geek. Uh, <laughs> since you know since I came out, but uh, you know out of my mother's womb and into the world, um, I I do think that this is what makes science fiction so great. Yeah, you know, is that it's it's a it's a space where people can talk about these things and and you can talk about it. Look, it can get political, right? That's mm -hmm. fine too. That that's cool. I've got no problem with people who want to write about politics. I it's not my thing, but mm -hmm. um, it's a place where you can have these discussions. Um, you know, on, on speculative futures, um, good yeah. and, bad and, and, and in between. Um, yeah. and so I think, you know, I mean, I think science fiction matters. Yeah. And, and you know, the crazy thing is, uh, Andrew, I, I truly believe the stuff that you're talking about now, right. In your book, right. Our lady of art, right. You know, I believe that a lot of that science fiction is going to come to fruition, right? You know, it's, it's going to happen. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of times, you know, things that become science fiction, you know, definitely could come to life in the future with technology and things like that, you know. So, you know, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, they're going to say, hey, Andrew talked about this, you know, yeah. and he actually had this, <laughs> this scenario <laughs> that, he, that he discussed. And it's actually real life now, you know, and and so, you know, that's why I believe that you're an innovator, a forward thinker, you know, definitely a thought leader, you know, in the industry of AI when it comes down to that. So, you know, I appreciate you being on the podcast. You know, this has been a great conversation. Now it's time to have some fun. Man. Yes. Let's have some fun. All right. I've been looking so, forward to this. <laughs> so everybody knows in the audience that I like to play a game called Overrated, Underrated. And I actually got this from a mentor of mine, Gary V, uh, who I follow sometimes. And with the game, right, I get to present a series of uh, topics to the guests. Right, he he or she does not know what I'm going to ask, uh, but this allows the audience to connect with them on a level outside of our geekiness. Right, you know, we're always geeking it up, and so I just want the audience to know that we're not just geeks. Right, we do think about things <laughs> like a uh, 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 football or or um or water right do we do we like water do we like cabbage i don't know you know so we i spent I, I spend way too much time thinking about basketball yeah see, think, see? <laughs> some percentage of the energy and emotion i i spend on indiana basketball and channel that uh -huh. into something more productive <laughs> my life would be so much better but what are you gonna do you see so other things occupy our time than just technology and our brain sometimes, right? You know, so so I just want the audience to know and get a feel for, you know, this is the real Andrew, right? You see, you see a lot of times, you know, that he's talking about this technology stuff, but I'm telling you right now, he thinks about things like basketball and why Indiana is not making it to March Madness, you know, or something like that. You know? <laughs> so or why they haven't won it or anything. So so he thinks about those things. And uh, all right, are you ready, Andrew? Let's go. All I'm right. Ready. One is traveling. Overrated or underrated? Overrated or underrated? Underrated. Underrated. I, mean, I love traveling. I mean, it's nice to come home uh -huh. at the end of it, but man, I mean, like, there's just so much out there to see. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And there's no yeah, the experience, the exposure. Physically, taking in the smells and the touching mm -hmm. things. I, mean, I remember going to Rome, which is my favorite city uh -huh. in the world when I was young, and putting my hands on these stones, and I'm like, are 2000 something years old i can't believe yeah. it. it's life changing yeah. yeah and it's something that you probably can't even explain to somebody unless they've been there right you can explain it the best you can but you have to touch it right you know yeah all right the st louis zoo <laughs> they talk a lot about it i just want to know because you're in st louis man i just gotta ask it's really good uh -huh. Here's my here's my thing, and I'll just say I, I say overrated, and but I'm gonna I'm gonna say why, and hopefully people in St. Louis don't get mad at me. It's too big. <laughs> uh -huh. It's so big, like you can't take it all in in a day, not even close. Oh really? Mm -mm. Oh, no. Man. So, um, I mean, I kind of like like I like smaller zoos, you know, uh -huh. get a little more intimate feel. Um, yeah. So. Okay. Okay. All right. The printer. The printer? Yeah. 
like like a computer printer yeah a computer printer man you know how do you feel about that <laughs> overrated i hate them i hate them man <laughs> I can't, why can't they ever work like we're it's it's 2022 and i can't get the damn thing to work half the time yeah <laughs> yeah I, I i i have two issues with the printer one i'm like look why are you still asking me to print out something right you know i just can't take it right? it's blowing my mind that i have to i need a printer in my office to print out something you know you have not created a way for me not to ever have to print again you know right now there has to be that and then two right you know it's well it's taking up my space right in my room i could i could do something else with it you know but uh, but yeah again right i always have issues with a free as tech as technical as i am i just can't believe that i have issues with printers all the freaking time man. Same here, man. <laughs> like i i'm telling you i'm not joking i it's 50 50 whether i can if i hit print yeah. I, just know it's, it's, I might as well flip a coin as to whether it's going to ever come out of that thing yeah 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 you got to cancel the document you got to restock the printer it's just crazy you know all right kentucky derby oh underrated <laughs> i think you're gonna I mean, say that man <laughs> it's it is i think it's i mean i'm a basketball guy so i mm -hmm. uh, march madness is my thing but i think the kentucky derby may be the best one day sporting event in the world it's, mm -hmm. it is insane. It is, uh, 180,000 people, mm -hmm. right? So it's huge. And you have everything from people like college students, you know, who paid 20 bucks to go, you know, drink themselves into oblivion in the infield yeah. up to billionaires that are literally paying a hundred thousand dollars per seat at a table. In oh the, my goodness. Uh, the highest level um, uh, venue in the in the at the track, which is called the Mansion, it's this new thing. It's, it's like you know sh shakes from Dubai and like famous actors and you know billionaires and what have you, right? Um, so it's like this just incredible mix of people, um, mm -hmm. and they're all there to have fun. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's you know the the sort of like fashion statements that you get. I mean, it's just the spectacle of it is unbelievable. Um, they, I mean, I like I actually I'm, I'm sitting here talking about it. I get chills sometimes, um, you know, at, at like the key moments in the race, like when the uh -huh. you know, when they say riders up right before the derby, and mm -hmm. they usually have the high school kids sing uh, "My Old Kentucky Home." Oh, Googler um, <laughs> Steve Steve uh, Buttleman, who's a friend of mine, um, uh -huh. you know, doing it for years, is out there calling the horses to post. I mean, man. there's nothing like it. It's amazing. You just sold me on it, man. I'm definitely oh, taking my family out there. You know, it's great. It's but so but great. but what what can I get as far as price wise for wow. some good tickets? You know, for for me and my my family, or at least just me and my wife. That's yeah, cool. I mean, I, for, I wouldn't take the kids. Yeah. Okay. Nature is maybe maybe they're not ready for it yet. I mean, it's that's the thing is you can you can do anything right. Like you can mm -hmm. literally show up and buy buy infield tickets day of oh. and walk around the infield and have an amazing time. It's like 25 bucks. You know, if you want box seats, I mean, it's, you know, it's in the thousands, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you go all the way up, like I said, to like 50 grand a seat. I wouldn't Man. recommend that. I mean, I love it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to burn $50,000 on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> seat, on one day seat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's all, it's all on, depending on like what you want, what kind of experience you want to have. Uh -huh, uh -huh. All right. Two more things. Yeah. No, three more. Pizza. Pizza. Yeah. I love it. It's my favorite food. So I'm going to say it's underrated. Everybody. Uh, deep dish. No, no deep dish. Okay. New York style. New York style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. That's me all day. All right. The desktop. Actual desktop. Not the laptop, but that desktop that's sitting there in your room. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say that's underrated. What? Are you serious? I like all right, it. Go ahead, go ahead. All right. I, I do. I like okay. Here's here's my thing. Laptops I love. I'm on one right now. Mm -hmm. They're a little bit fragile. Mm -hmm. Either that or I'm like I'm a little bit rough with my stuff. Like my, you know, I always have like a you know, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, shattered or whatever. So, so I, I feel like the laptops don't are they're, they're like built not to last. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I kind of like the solidity of a desktop with like a nice big fat monitor. And that's just where I go. <laughs> you know, I can just lean in. This is uh -huh. my spot. The computer lives right here. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think of now I think of desktops as like, all right, it's closer to a server or something now. Like <laughs> you, you gotta you gotta you, you gotta do some type of gaming or it to to really have this desktop <laughs> in your in your office. You know, if I walk in and I see a desktop in your office, I'm thinking you are a gamer or something, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but if I walk into your office, Andrew, and I see that you're not even a gamer, man. You're I'm just, not. <laughs> Nah. Uh, you can't even take it, you know, with you anywhere, you know. I mean, nowadays they're putting all the resources, even in like small phones, you know. So, you know, but I do get it, you know. I mean, certain things, you know, it's just you adapt to and you say, hey, look, I love this, you know. And, it, you know, I, I do see some value in the desktop a lot of times. They're cheaper uh, uh, nowadays, you know, and you're still able to get a lot of resources in it and you're able to do multiple things, right? You know, I mean, shoot, how often do I even leave my freaking office these days right after COVID and all that stuff happened it's like you know I, whether I'm traveling yeah you got a laptop but majority of the time in my freaking office doing work okay so I'm yeah. with you all right <laughs> the last one hardcover books oh so underrated ah. so <laughs> underrated I okay if I if I truly love a book uh-huh and, and, I, and I read both. I mean, I've got Kindle and I, and I, I read a lot of ebooks. But if I mm. really love a book, really love it, even if I bought it as an ebook, I have to have the hard copy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I got uh -huh. I at it. I want to I want to. It's an object. It's not yeah. just it's not just data, you know, ones and zeros out there in the ether that's arranged into, you know, words that I happen to like. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a thing. And, and I like yeah. to have them around. I like to be around books. I've, we, when we moved into my house, we built a bookshelf, actually. It's like my favorite oh, nice. the whole house. Um, yeah. So I'm, 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 an, I'm a paper book, uh, paper book guy all the way. How about you? No, no, I'm same here. I have a lot of, and I just moved into this house, so I don't know um, what I want my bookshelf to look like, but I know exactly where I want to put it, right? And so... You know, I, I, I love, I have a ridiculous amount of books. We have a ridiculous amount of books just sitting around right now. I have them stacked to the side of me right now, just a bunch of books, right? You know, all related to my field, but I also have some here and there that deals with things like cognitive studies, you know, uh, deals with some business things, you know, uh, uh, shoot, even some uh, science fiction stuff, you know, I like to read everything. So it's really, you know, it, you name it, I love, I love the books now. I definitely have gotten into Audible, these days, yeah. right? Oh, like, great. I love it, right? Driving. And then yeah. if you have an imagination, it's even better, right? You know, <laughs> so you can kind of tie it in and you're like, oh, this is cool. You know, I mean, I, I, I one audible book, I can't remember the name, made me want to, when I was 30 years old, I started like around then, you know, so it made me want to actually try to get into the military and do Navy SEALs. <laughs> it was so good. I went to try to apply, but I was too old at the time to apply. <laughs> they said, look, you know, you're too old for Navy SEALs. I was like, oh, what, what about the Army Rangers? I was like, all right, maybe I'm just getting beyond <laughs> myself. Let me just stop, you know, but it, it was so good. It hooked me so but, well. But, you know, like wanted, for real, uh -huh. like, that's that's the power of a book right is like th the power to inspire you like that and so the thing i love about physical books is mm -hmm. the possibility of like serendipity you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. like because there are books that i have on my bookshelf that i probably read 30 years ago and i've forgotten what's in them and i may pick them up but i can always go pick it up and like go back right and and, and maybe find something new in it or you know my kids might might just randomly pull you know, a book off right. the shelf or something. You can't really do that with eBooks. Like you have to be very intentional about mm -hmm. it, you know? I agree. I agree. I agree. Well, look, thank you, Andrew, for being on the Data's My Science podcast audience. You're listening to the Data's My Science podcast, the show to make that your passion. I am your host, Dapper Data. And Andrew, where can they reach you at? And is there anything right now that you are promoting? Uh, definitely, you know, my book, um, uh, Our Lady of the Artilex, which, uh, you know, it's been out for five months. Um, it just hit number one on hard sci-fi, on cyberpunk, and on metaphysical sci-fi. And it was like number three, I think, with techno thrillers. Um, so it's doing really, really well. But I mean, I'd, I'd love for people to pick up a copy. 
Um, yeah, I'm definitely picking up mine right now. I actually tried to while we were on while we were on this this meeting, <laughs> but it gave me an alert saying I had to go into my phone and approve oh. the you know. So I was like, all right, I'll do it right after. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, at mm-hmm. uh, my handle's Andrew Gilsmith. Okay. Um, and then I'm 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 really active on Goodreads. I mean, um, okay. you know, I, I like to interact with readers there. So that's my spots. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn and stuff too, but LinkedIn's just all career and it's, it's 90, it is. Yeah. Yeah. 90% yeah. spam now anyway. So yeah, it is, man. I'm tired of getting those tax and financial people hitting me up on chat. I'm like, am I, am I your friend? I didn't know that. How did I get to be your friend? So, you know, Andrew, thank you for being on the podcast again. It's been a pleasure. I had a lot of fun audience. As you know, you can definitely ping me anytime at Mr. Dapper data. That's at, you know, the app person sign and Mr. Dapper data, M-R-D-A-P-P-E-R-D-A-T-A on any one of the social media platforms. And also definitely check out my book, uh, www.mrdapperdata.com forward slash dapper book. Uh, definitely teaching you about social media analytics and how to improve and monetize off of your posts. Uh, I love you all, audience. Please see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion with your host, Dapper Data.